0: You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church.
1: This is Highlights from our weekly service.
0: Good evening and welcome to Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. If you're joining us for the first time, we are part of an international community of churches that celebrate God's inclusive love for all people, irrespective of color, creed, sexuality, or gender. We are all made in the image and likeness of God, and she rejoices in our existence. I'm delighted to welcome you back to our home, St. James's. It's with a bittersweet feeling. Whilst it's wonderful to be back in our church, it's empty without you. I know you'll also be feeling much the same, a longing to be back here together as our family. I can't tell you how much it's meant over the many, many months we've not been able to meet, how being spiritually connected each Sunday, it's meant for me and for so many. I'll tell you in the Holy Notices some of our plans moving forward throughout Advent and into the New Year. But tonight we begin Advent. It's a time when we can reflect on how God prepared all of history to receive the gift of his Son and to humbly ask him to prepare our hearts to receive him this Christmas time. Our theme this year is hope hope in a chaotic world and tonight we focus on hope particularly because it's the wellspring from which all the other themes flow peace love and joy last week i asked you if you would like to to get a a wreath or to collect some candles so we can journey through Advent together. And I'm going to bless our wreath and also bless your wreaths and candles at home. Loving God, Lord of light, bless our wreaths and our candles. May our Advent be a time of preparation. Help us to reflect on the power of light to dispel the darkness in our world and in our lives. Touch our hearts with the warmth of your love. May the increasing light of these candles brighten our minds and our hearts to be steadfast in faith, joyful in hope, and untiring in love, so that we are ready again to receive the true peace. Jesus, the light of the world, our Lord and Savior, amen. And if you would like to light your fest candle. We have all been filled with hope at the announcement of a number of vaccines. We begin to look beyond the present hardships and hope for a better future I think that so often we can go through the motions of celebrating the different religious seasons without truly entering into them, allowing them to be real for us and for them to change us spiritually. Advent is a time to reflect on Christ, his presence in our lives, to recognise the parts of our lives where faith where our lived discipleship, where our relationship with Jesus is lacking, and humbly to begin to prepare to receive Him spiritually at Christmas time. Can you imagine if this Christmas people around the world were truly filled with the Spirit of Jesus? And they were filled with the gifts of faith, hope, love, joy. What a difference there would be in this world. Jesus is the real vaccine for a better world, a kinder world, a more compassionate world. Tonight we will hear from our readings the beginnings of... God's work in history, preparing the word to become flesh. Let us pray. Father God, every word in scripture points to the gift of hope that we have because of Christ Jesus. The Christmas story wasn't the beginning of that message of hope because the Old Testament is full of glimpses of your plan to redeem your people and to restore them into a relationship with you. But we are able to truly begin to see and understand just how great your love for us is when we read the story of Jesus' birth in scripture. Help us to see that you were with us. Nothing is too difficult, too messy, or too dirty for you. Jesus came to give us the gift of eternal life through the salvation that only you can give our Heavenly Mother. May we be open to the promptings of your Spirit this Advent and come to confess Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Amen.
1: An excerpt from The Courage to Hope, How I Stood Up to the Politics of Fear by Shirley Sherrod. When I was 17 years old, my father was murdered by a white man in Baker County, Georgia. There were three witnesses, but the grand jury refused to indict the person responsible. I knew I had to do something in answer to my father's death. That very night, I made a commitment that I would stay in the South and fight for change. I have lived true to that commitment for 45 years. I didn't yield when... Just months after my father was killed, they came in the middle of the night to burn a cross in front of our house with my mother, four sisters, and the baby brother my father never got to see be born. I learned a lot of lessons from my parents growing up, but one of the most important ones is what my mother taught her children after our father was killed. She told us we mustn't try to live with hate in our hearts.
2: A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. Jesus said, But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. This generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only God. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like someone going on a journey, when they leave home and put their slaves in charge, each with their work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: Good evening and welcome to the first in our new series, Hope in a Chaotic World. Within this series, we'll be examining the nature of hope a little more closely and how it may apply to our present challenges both personally and for humanity on a global scale. This theme will also carry us through our celebration of Advent, where we patiently wait for the coming of Jesus. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord. Amen. I think we'll all agree that 2020 has been a year like no other. If you're not already experiencing COVID fatigue in a physical way after being unwell with the illness yourself, you're probably experiencing it in a psychological or probably emotional sense. The pandemic has affected us in so many ways, both personally and globally. The economy is upside down, unemployment is high. If you still have a job, it's likely 10 times more challenging than in the pre-COVID world. But all of this pales into insignificance when we consider the human cost of the pandemic. Some of us may have lost loved ones, members of our family, members of our community. It also feels like an age since the pandemic started and the onset of lockdowns, ever-changing tiered systems and meetings via Zoom replacing a hug, coffee and catch up with friends. There is good news on the horizon in the form of a vaccine. But even now, I think you'd all agree with me that everyone is just plain tired of waiting. Tired of waiting for a vaccine. Tired of waiting for the next government announcement. Tired of waiting for lockdown to end. Just tired of waiting. To see us through these times, I can imagine that many of you may have been holding on to hope that things will just go back to normal soon. Hoping that in a month or two, the economy will pick up and the jobs market will rebound. Hoping that the vaccine will finally keep our loved ones safe so that we can hug them again. Even hoping that spending Christmas with your family this year won't be met by a third severe lockdown in January. Hope is what gets us through these dark times. It's what causes us to think, okay, I'm not certain I like the look of things now, but I'm sure things will go back to the good old days where I felt joyful and at peace for a moment. Hope is a state of anticipation that's been crucial for human existence throughout wars, famine, and even previous pandemics. Hope is what gets us through. But is there more to hope? than just wanting the clock to go backwards to a better time. In a secular sense, hope is defined as a feeling of expectation or desire for a particular thing to happen. But just as we may hope for a vaccine to be made available tomorrow, we might also hope for the brand new PlayStation on Christmas day. What we direct our hope towards matters just as much as how deep our hope runs. Hope is also defined as a feeling of trust. You might have been hurt by your partner lying to you, but you hope that they'll never do it again. Optimism and hope are often confused for one another. They're closely related, but they're not the same thing. Optimism is about choosing to see in any situation How circumstances could work out for the best. The glass is always half full, no matter what, and someone will be along to fill it up to full in just a moment. But hope, and particularly hope in a biblical sense, isn't about focusing on a particular circumstance. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognise there's a slim to non-chance that their circumstances will change for the better yet they choose to hope anyway. Having hope isn't about wishing for better life circumstances tomorrow or the next day. Hope is about finding refuge in the knowledge that no matter how dire your present circumstance, God has got you safe, here and now, today. There are many different words used for hope scattered throughout the Bible. One such Hebrew word from the Old Testament is yakal, which simply means to wait. For example, we see Noah experiencing yakal on the ark for weeks and weeks in the rain. Another Hebrew word is kavah, which refers to the state that a cord pulled tight finds itself within. Hope is being in the state of tense expectation which could be released at any moment. Old Testament prophets refer to Kavar as they wait intense expectation for essential crops to grow. There's no guarantee and they could starve. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about waiting intense expectation. And they're always waiting for God. Noah waits for God in the floods, and the farmers wait for god to grow the crops that sustain them hope isn't about optimism based on the odds to be released from flood or famine hope is about making a choice to wait for god no matter what in that state no matter what in that state of expectation without much of a guarantee of a happy ending In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated that similar sense of hope. They believed that Jesus's life, death and resurrection was God's surprising response to the sins of man and it released us from death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope and they used the Greek word, elpis, to describe this sense of anticipation. In having Jesus, We no longer have to wait in uncertainty that God will send a Messiah. We know it's Jesus, but we still have to wait for his second coming. In our biblical reading today, Jesus is speaking to his disciples who ask him what the end of times will look like. Jesus refers to the destruction of the temple, earthquakes, famine, loved ones turning on each other, and false prophets being on the increase. While this sounds terrifying, we also know that God will make all things new, releasing the world from the pain and death of sin. But Jesus makes it clear that we need to wait. And not just passively waiting by distracting ourselves with something else, actively watching and waiting so that we aren't caught sleeping. I find several things interesting about this idea of not being caught sleeping. For one thing, waiting is incredibly difficult. It's boring. It's difficult not to get distracted. If I asked you to watch and wait for a door I painted yesterday to dry, you'd likely give up in 20 minutes or you'd fall asleep. But we can't afford to do this when it comes to Jesus's second coming. I've mentioned in my sermon several times that, while we're saved by our faith in Jesus, that doesn't mean that we get a free pass to do what we want, or even worse, to do nothing at all. Instead, God gives us work to do, which is important whether the world will be wiped clean or not. The Bible and Jesus' example acts as my compass. It helps me calibrate my values in life and points me in that direction towards kindness, compassion, love, faithfulness and humility. When I stray from those values towards hatred and anger, I get lost, but God always helps me get back on track. I never passively wait for God in one spot, but I walk with God on a journey, never quite knowing when I'll reach my destination, but also knowing better than to repeatedly ask, Are we there yet? It takes an incredible amount of patience, trust and courage to do that, especially when we are faced with our darkest and most challenging moments. When we can't see an end to the horizon, it takes hope to keep walking anyway. The second reading tonight was by a lady called Shirley Sherrod Born in 1948, she grew up as the eldest of five children to black parents, who owned a farm in Baker County, Georgia. To set a little context, Baker County, like many other counties in the deep south state of Georgia, America, was deeply divided by racism. Public lynchings by members of the police, not just members of the Ku Klux Klan, weren't uncommon every power and public office in the state of Georgia made it impossible to exercise your rights as a citizen of America if your skin was anything other than white. 17 at the time, Shirley had every intention of leaving Georgia and the life of farming far behind her to move to a Northern state university with better civil rights for people like her. However, in the reading, Shirley tells the story of the tremendous injustice that it was that the white men who killed her father over a farmland dispute were not prosecuted for the crime. Crosses were also burned in front of her house a few months later to further intimidate the Sherrod family to move off the farmland. But instead of remaining true to her original intention of leaving Georgia far behind, she made a commitment to stay. While she also had no intention of remaining in farming, she made a commitment to working as an advocate for farmers in the area who were being forced off their land by others because of greed and seemingly never ending systemic racism. Eventually, she was appointed a significant position in national government, working with the United States Department of Agriculture or USADA not USADA, or the USDA. What I find inspiring about her story is that in the face of so much personal tragedy, she decided to change her original plan and stay to make things better. It must have taken tremendous personal courage and a great deal of hope to do that. There was no guarantee that a young black woman could successfully defend the rights of farming families in Georgia. In fact, there was every guarantee that her life would be in very real danger. But that didn't stop her. She patiently worked, patiently waited, patiently hoped for a better world. And most important of all, she relied on her faith in God and that love would drive out hate in order to make change. And that right there is God's work to use love to drive out hate in order to make change. So what I'd like us to take away from this sermon is that hope isn't about keeping your fingers crossed for something better tomorrow. Hope is a choice, a commitment, to be part of a better tomorrow, whether it is likely to happen or not. And our faith in God and salvation in Jesus gives us every confidence to know that, no matter what, a better time will come when all things will be made new. But let's not fall asleep on the journey that gets us there. Amen.
4: At Northern Lights, each week, we light a candle to remember all of those who have been affected by HIV and AIDS-related illnesses. On Tuesday, the 1st of December, it's World AIDS Day. This is an international day dedicated to raising awareness of AIDS and HIV and mourning those who have died as a result. Today we will pray for the global health organisations that they receive funding needed to tackle AIDS and HIV and for access to treatment for all who need it. Let us pray. Loving God, we bring before you today all of our troubles, our worries and our concerns. We pray for the world, for your beautiful planet and all of your children. We pray for our church, for each and every member who is precious to you and also precious to each of us. There are some among us whose hearts are heavy and this is a difficult time for so many people. We pray for the removal of obstacles and for a light for our path. We know that you have a plan for each of us and that you cherish us as precious children. Please continue to put a light around us and to restore us in our need. To hope is to cherish a desire with anticipation. We nurture our hope, our hope for the future, hope for a blessed life for ourselves and our loved ones, a hope for light in these difficult times. In all ways, we hope and trust in you, gentle mother. Amen. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever.
2: Amen.
0: And together we say the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Go with the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we
3: do, you can find us on social media or visit our website,
2: northernlightsmcc.org.uk.